it's five o'clock and we will call to order the regularly scheduled meeting of the Shawnee Mission School District Board of Education. And the first item on our agenda this evening is the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. The next item on the agenda is the adoption of our agenda. I'll seek a motion to adopt the agenda for tonight. So moved. Thank you, Ms. Gerber. Do I have a second? Second. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Hearing none opposed, moving on to 1.4, approval of the minutes from the special meeting on June 22nd, 2020. Do I have a motion? Move, Move to, to approve. approve. Um, I think I heard uh, Mr. Stratton. Do I have a second? Borgman second. Thank you, Ms. Borgman. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Hearing none opposed. Uh, moving on to 1.5, approval of the minutes from the organizational meeting on June 22nd, 2020. Seek a motion. Move to approval. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. Is there a second? Second, second Guy. Thank you, Reverend Guy. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Hearing none, that passes unanimously. Moving on to the approval of the minutes from the special meeting on June 30th, 2020. Wait, did I skip one? Yes, you did. Thank you very much. Moving on to 1.6, approval of the minutes from the regular meeting, June 22nd, 2020. Do I have a motion? So moved. Goodburn. Thank you, Ms. Goodburn. Second. Guy. Thank you, Reverend Guy. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Aye. Hearing none opposed, move on to 1.7. Now we're doing the approval of the minutes from the special meeting, June 30th, 2020. Do I have a motion? Move approval. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. Second. Thank you, Mr. Stratton. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Thank you, Ms. Jessica, joining us uh, remotely this evening. Moving on to 1.8, approval of the minutes for the special meeting, July 9th, 2020. Do I have a motion? Move approval. Thank Second. You. Thank Goodburn. you, Dr. Sinclair. Thank you, Ms. Goodburn. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Hearing none, we will move on to 1.9, approval of the minutes from the special meeting, July 22nd, 2020 for the personnel item. Is there a motion? Move to approve Borgman. Thank you, Ms. Borgman. Is there a second? Second. Thank you, Mr. Stratton. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Hearing none, we get to move on to 1.10, our last approval of minutes for the special meeting on July 22nd, 2020. So move, Goodburn. Thank you, Ms. Goodburn. Is there a second? Second, Guy. Thank you, Reverend Guy. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Hearing none, that one also passes unanimously. Um, so moving on to item 2.1, public comment. Tonight's um, public comment was structured slightly differently because we needed to figure out how to socially distance and provide sanitation for speakers in between the public comment portion and then when our administrative personnel need to come in to sit in the same seats to present on topics on the agenda. And so we've structured to have public comment now and then take a short recess and then have the seats cleaned and then come back at 6.15. We scheduled the hour for public comment not knowing exactly how many people would want to sign up to speak prior to noon today. Um, and it looks like we have three people speaking this evening. And so there will be a three minute window in which to provide their comments. Um, in general, we would, we ask that the notice for 
public comment come before noon on Monday so that we can schedule how to set up the room and to make sure that we have the staff here available to do this sanitizing. Um, if someone needs a request for an auxiliary aid or services for someone who needs assistance, we request that a request for that go to the board clerk, Terry, so that we could have that ready the night of the meeting. Um, if you need assistance in signing up to provide public comment, you can reach out to our board clerk, Terry Wintering, and she can provide you with that assistance. Um, and all the other instructions on how to participate in public comment are available both on the website and in board docs. So our first speaker this evening for public comment is Lisa Feingold. Hi. Sorry. Laura. <clears throat> uh, I'm Lisa Feingold. I have a child at Shawnee Mission North, and I work at Hawker Grove. This is going to be my 11th year. <clears throat> so I watched Wednesday's special board meeting in its entirety, and it's clear SMSD is committed to maximizing students' educational success while addressing social, emotional, and physical well-being. And I appreciate all the information shared. Earlier last week, I sat down with my high school student to make his preference selection in Skyward. We reviewed the on-site, blended, and remote options together, and it became clear we wanted different things. Um, we discussed our concerns and came to an agreement. We'd try it his way. And if it didn't work out for any number of reasons, like unfollowed safety protocols, unforeseen issues that hindered learning, staffing challenges, or general discomfort, we'd try it my way. However, after last week's meeting, I realized our discussion was made without some key components. It is now clear there are two options, remote and in-person, which includes the blended hybrid model. And once we make a selection, students will be locked into that selection for the semester. Leadership has, reported, has repeatedly asked the community for understanding, flexibility, patience, and grace as they make way through these uncharted waters. I am now asking the district to reciprocate, to extend the same understanding, flexibility, and grace to parents and students as we navigate through the same uncharted waters. What the district needs, we need to. We need the ability to change our plan if it's not working or we receive new information. We don't know which classes will be offered or who is teaching them. We don't know how effective new processes will be until they are tried in real time. And we understand that is an unknown for everyone right now. We are all making decisions amidst numerous uncertainties. SMSC leadership has continually voiced commitment to providing every student with a challenging, personalized learning plan that ensures they reach their full potential. And it never occurred to me that the option to change plans as necessary wouldn't be available. The district is asking the community to take a leap into the unknown without a safety net, and I'm, not unco I'm uncomfortable with that. Looking at the results of the preference survey and in the absence of a parent or student survey, especially at the secondary school population level, the data indicates I'm not alone. SMSD provides staff with a comprehensive reopening survey. Overall, 78% participated, 91.6% of staff who opened the survey completed it. SMSD would be better served by a similar survey for parents and students as thought exchange does not result in responses to specific questions, but is rather an algorithm-based crowdsourcing tool by design. It's up for renewal with a price tag of $70,350 tonight. Shawnee Mission has already spent $85,500 since January 2019. I would just ask that SMSD prioritize resources district-wide and uses what it already has at its disposal. Thanks. Thank 
you. Our next speaker this evening is Mr. Chris Rozelle. Two minutes, right? Three, three minutes. Three minutes. Okay, good. No... good evening, Madam Chairman, members of the board, Mr. Superintendent, members of the administration, members of the public, teachers. Uh, my name's Chris Rozelle. This is a lot nicer than the last school that I stayed in. I was in a storeroom of a school on the South Sudanese border of Uganda back in January and February. And this is marvelous. Thank you. Uh, my concern, I'm a disabled veteran, Vietnam era veteran. I volunteered. I'm a returned Peace Corps volunteer, and I have a concern about student engagement, civic engagement, which your social studies, your um, government courses presumably produce. My questions to you are what percentage of both for last spring and this fall, what percentage of seniors will be registered to vote? What percentage will have ballots by mail? What percentage will have some idea of how to select candidates based upon their personal values and goals? And what's your strategy and measures to accomplish that? I'm a public health person. I measure things. I set goals that are measurable goals, and I either go out and achieve them, or I say, excuse me, I fell short. I've got to reconsider. So those are my questions for the school district to consider. Uh, and the importance to me is that if the students leave Shawnee Mission School District not registered to vote, not having engaged in voting, then they'll take over the next 70 years to get like me and say, by golly, this matters. I'd better do it. I'd better get it done. And I've seen that back in 2014 in Kansas, only 13.8% of the 18 to 25-year-olds in Kansas were turned out to vote in the 2014 election. We did way better in 2018. We got 38% in Kansas. But I'd like to see what my school district does. I live in Roland Park. Thank you so much. Thank you. Our final, our final speaker this evening is Ms. Lisa Patterson-Kinsey. Good evening. I'm here to talk about the uh, oh, first off, my name's Lisa. I'm from Prairie Village, and I have a proud to say I have a recent graduate from Shawnee Mission North. And uh, I want to say thank you to the board for revising the non thank you for the revising the non discrimination policies by clearly stating that the behaviors will be not tolerated in our schools. A tone of inclusion and respect is set. During these difficult times of unrest, these policies create a strong foundation of expectations. We want all students, visitors, and staff to feel welcomed and supported at all our mission schools. And these updated non-discrimination policies provide exactly that. Thank you. Thank you so much.
Um, with that, we've concluded the public content or public comment portion of this evening, and we are scheduled to recess until 6.15 when we announced that we would resume the regularly scheduled board meeting. Um, and so we, we'd have to break until the notice to come back at 6.15. Um, so we will see you all in a little while. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, it's 6.15 and we are back for the rest of our meeting this evening. Um, we are now on item 2.2, which is the superintendent report from Dr. Fulton. We'll turn it over to you, Dr. Fulton. Okay, thank you very much and uh, great to see everybody this evening. Well, we have a number of good news notes. I uh, want to start off with uh, the free pickup and go meals provided by the Shawnee Mission School District Food Service Department. Those are going to continue to be provided to students through August 21st. Uh, breakfast and lunches will be served starting at 10.30 a.m. on Mondays and Wednesdays at Comanche, Rose Hill, and Shawano Elementary Schools and Hawker Grove Middle School. And, of course, we have a lot of students go through the free pick-up-and-go meals uh, during the spring when we were out of school and also into the summer. So we're, we're glad we can get that, uh, that we can continue to provide those to students through August 21st. You know, as we heard recently, food service and numerous staff members, volunteers, and community members have dedicated a remarkable amount of time and energy to feeding children this summer. And they've made sure that thousands of meals have been provided to students who need them. And I just want to thank them again for this tremendous ongoing effort and ever, all the volunteers that made this possible. Well, we had a graduation recently, so we're very, very excited for the class of 2020. This month, we, with great pride, we celebrated the graduation of the class of 2020. And while, of course, we were very saddened to not hold the commencement in person, I do know that thousands in our community joined in the virtual celebrations to honor these deserving graduates. It was a joy for all of us to recognize these students and to take time and honor all that they accomplished. So thank you to everyone at our high schools and throughout our community who made this possible. The video of each ceremony will continue to be available online and broadcast on local channels. Also tonight, we want to recognize students who have completed their time receiving post-high transition services, along with our most recent group of Project SEARCH students. The post-high program provides individually designed services to students after high school through the age of 21. The program focuses on preparing students to live as independent adults in the community, as well as increasing their vocational skill levels. Project SEARCH is a business-led work transition program where students work in partnership with Advent Health to build their employability and independent living skills. The students and staff from these programs provided virtual recognitions for the students, and we congratulate all of our students on their accomplishments. There are still a few weeks left for summer reading. I wanted to mention a resource launch in the last few weeks. This summer, a group of librarians and teachers worked together to create a web page dedicated to connecting our community to books that promote and celebrate diversity and inclusion. These resources feature authors, individuals, and characters representing and celebrating various cultures, experiences, and identities. And we're going to include a link to these resources in our board recap, and we so appreciate 
the work that these educators have done to help students, staff, and families listen, learn, and grow together. Recently, the Kansas School Social Workers Association presented Dr. John uh, McKinney, Director of Family and Student Services, with the 2020 Champion for Children Award. The award recognizes a non-school social worker who supports the school social work profession and demonstrates dedication in promoting social work services in schools. Several Shawnee Mission School District social workers contacted the Kansas School Social Workers Association to offer their nominations and endorsements of fa in favor of Dr. McKinney receiving this honor. So congratulations to him, it's well deserved. And then finally tonight, I want to talk about our reopening plan. On Wednesday, we spent close to three and a half hours with both presentation and, and lots of great questions by the board. Also, I want to extend a word of thanks to everyone who is working on the reopening schools for the 2021 school year. All the teachers, uh, classified staff, administrators, just the, every member of the team, along with uh, students that contributed to the plan and parents. It, everyone's input is making a difference. Now this week, we're going to ask families to submit their selection for the learning model for their child or their children for first semester. Now I want to make it clear that in the learning models we'll provide, that we provide, we're going to have uh, a focus on priority standards. There'll be assessment of student work. Students will receive grades. So this is going to look much more like school than perhaps what we were able to do uh, last spring when we had to quickly build a remote learning model for all students. One of the things that will also be required is attendance and uh, students will be required to have regular contact with teachers. Um, students are required to attend school for 1,116 hours and they will have to log uh, their hours of attendance. Now that is true whether they're in a remote learning environment or whether they are selecting to be in class understanding that in class will be determined by what the health department says we can do, whether that's uh, have everybody in class, do a hybrid model with half the students there at any one time, or teaching all the students remote. Um, so that's an overview of what's going to happen this week. So we would encourage families to be on the lookout for information about making this selection in their email inbox. We are, uh, we are going to have a video that's going to explain a little bit more about how to do this to parents. Some of the principals are putting this together and our goal is to have both an English and a Spanish version. And so I think that would be helpful to kind of get a, a little uh, uh, tutoring on exactly how you sign up for classes and what that means. We'll also be working to get in touch with families new to the district and families of pre-kindergarten and kindergarten students to obtain their selections. And then later uh, in the meeting, the board will consider a resolution for uh, basically affirming our 2021 school year reopening plan. I do want to make one final comment. We are uh, understandably getting lots of emails and questions. I know the board members are as well. We're going to do the very best we can to answer folks' questions. The number one question on everyone's mind is what happens on the first day of school? Are we going to be in class? Are we going to be remote? Are we going to be hybrid? What does that look like? And I just want to emphasize that we've made a commitment to making sure that we're basing decisions on science, 
We're waiting on guidance from the county uh, health department. They are supposed to be, we hope that they will be providing us with gating criteria. And by gating criteria, I mean those are metrics that tell us whether we should be at all in remote teaching or we can have students in hybrid, a hybrid environment or whether we can uh, bring all students in. We want to get that gating criteria from them first. We want to have ongoing consultation with them before we make a final decision about what the first day of school would look like. So while I know it's difficult, I'm going to continue to ask for folks' patience as we work with the county to really make sure that we have everything as clearly defined as we can and we're working from the data before we make a final decision. And with that, that concludes my report. Thank you, Dr. Fulton. Moving on to board can, members' reports. Can oh. we ask questions just real briefly about Dr. Fulton's superintendent's report? Is that acceptable um, in this time, or should, is there a time when we get asked? We don't typically do questions right now. It might be useful to do the questions either when we're discussing the calendar, if it's related to the calendar, or then when we get to board comments at the end of the meeting, if that's possible. I'll just ask in board comments. Thanks. Perfect. Thank you. Um, Okay, so actually I'm coming back to you, Ms. Portman. Do you have any updates for SMAC uh, PTA for us this evening? Nothing new to report. Thank you. Great. And then, uh, Ms. Hembry, do you have any reports from the Education Foundation for us this evening? No updates. We haven't met recently. Okay, thank you. And then, Reverend Guy, do you have a KSB Board of Directors update for us? I just want to make sure everybody is aware that KSB is continuing to offer online workshops especially as every district in the state is looking at reopening plans. There, it seems like several times a week they've got different workshops being offered. So uh, I encourage you to go and look at what they're offering and sign up and participate in any and all of them. You get lots of great information, chances to ask questions in the chat. And um, so just be aware that's a resource that is available to all of us. Thank you. Um, and then, Dr. Sinclair, do you have a legislative update for us today? No update today. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Ms. Goodburn, do you have a policy review committee update for us today? Um, other than tonight, you see 11 policies for your consideration is the second read. Uh, you'll see it later on in the agenda. Um, and uh, also work continues on our board manual. Our next policy committee meeting is Thursday, August 12th, I believe. And we'll probably have other policies for you to consider at the end part of August then from that meeting. So that's my report. Thank you. Thank you so much for all the work that the policy review committee did on the policies that we're going to be looking at tonight as well. Mr. Stratton, do you have a finance and facilities update for us tonight? Yes, our next meeting is scheduled for Monday, uh, August 3rd at 2 p.m. We have not put together all the details. Uh, we're going to wait to see how this week continues to go and decide if we're going to do it in person or not. And, but it will be available on YouTube for viewing, so it will be a public meeting. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, that sums up our board member reports for this evening. We're now moving on to item 2.4, which is the activity fund report, and it's my understanding that Mr. Knapp is giving us an overview of 2.4 through 2.7, so once we turn it over to him, he'll just take us through the rest of the items under communication. That's, that's absolutely correct. Well, good evening. Uh, yes, so we do have about four board, uh, four, four financial reports for you. Um, so the first two, the student activities report and the petty cash report, those are two that you see twice a year. We bring to you in January and July. 
the student activities report is just that. It's the building funds that the buildings use to run their student activities. So you, if you think of gate receipts and uh, clubs for their fundraisers and dues. And so that's um, the student activities fund. And then the petty cash fund, is, as you can see, it's not very active. It's not used a lot. We only had $86 in purchases and petty cash funds. Um, the third report is the unencumbered cash balance report as of July 1st. Um, I was going to hit about five or six of these funds. As you can see, the general fund says it's a negative $7.8 million, and that is the receivable that we have to book um, according to the state. That's that state aid payment that they delay and they pay us the first week of July. So for this report, they ask us not to include it as a revenue, but as a receivable. But in our actual budget documents, we book it as a revenue. So, so if you were to look at our state budget book, the balance would be zero, is what I'm getting at. But here it's a minus 7.8 million. Supplemental general fund is 2.7 million. And if you recall that, you cannot spend that under the school finance formula. That counts as a carryover for your revenue for the next budget year. So that will help reduce the mill levy in 2021. So again, you can't spend that balance. The other one I wanted to touch on is the food service fund. You know with the pandemic, um, this fund saw a loss of close to $1.5 million. Um, that's obviously, we weren't collecting student lunch revenue from March all the way to the end of the year. However, we were required to pay all our staff out at that time. So that's mainly the difference there. You had less revenue, additional costs. Um, that fund went down 1.5 million. Summer school will also went down $364,000. Um, that's mainly due to the timing because summer school runs from June to July, so you're crossing a fiscal year. So a lot of the summer school expenses occurred last July of 2019, and then the revenue we usually get is in June of 2020. We didn't get those revenues because we didn't have summer school. So that should correct itself um, when we, if we have summer school next summer. Uh, that will correct itself. The, and then the uh, special education fund, I wanted to point that out because that's where we maintain our operating fund balances. Um, so that is at 18.1 million. That grew by $5 million. And I'll go over that a little bit more in detail here in a minute. Then the other one is the contingency reserve fund. We let, we maintained that at $5.6 million. And I'll pause there if you had any questions on um, cash balance report. I'm not seeing any at this time. Okay. Um, the last report I wanted to go over was the, it's the board financial report as of June 30th. As you know, we close our books on June 30th. So all the financial numbers in that report uh, reflects the 1920 school year. Go ahead and dance. Thank you. Um, so I wanted to give you a recap of the 1920 operational funds. Um, and you've seen this slide many times. Again, we're going to talk about operating funds. Can you advance that, Terry? Thank you. Perfect. That's all you got to do for the rest of the <laughs> So, so again, this is the 1920 school year that we just finished. And if you recall back a year ago in August, 
we we approved operating budgets that uh, was a surplus of 4.7 million, but that was before any salary and raises were determined. Um, when we did come to an agreement in February, March, we put out the budget for um, that one-year contract, and we put out $3.8 million worth of salary and health insurance. So the adjusted um, surplus was 937000 Revenues for the year exceeded our budget by $500,000. Um, $411,165,000 was all related to the school finance formula and our weighted FTE. We saw an increase in our CTE classes. Um, we got some extra slots for our four-year-old at-risk program, and then new facilities came in higher than what we anticipated. So that generated uh, more money in the general fund and LOB. Special education, um, when everybody submitted, their everybody being statewide school districts, the state set the special education rate, reimbursement rate at $30,010, which resulted in about $76,000 additional revenue. And then the pandemic uh, took a direct hit on our interest income and our facility rentals as we didn't rent any facilities uh, from March. Well, we're still at, we're not renting in the facilities. So that's why you see that $152,000 uh, decrease there. And then our expenditures, we, we were able to save uh, well, it was less than budget by $3.6 million, and you can see the detail on those lines. Salaries was $2.8 million over what we budgeted, and that's mainly due to having to pay all those contracts out because you typically have some savings. Vacancies, we would have savings, but turnover savings, and um, there's some other line items that, um, that added to that $2.8 million. Then... The majority of all the rest of these lines, we had additional savings than we were anticipating, all due to the pandemic. Um, utilities were tracking really well because we had a very warm winter. And uh, Mr. Robinson, we, we hired an emergency uh, energy management person. So we were, we were already seeing savings from our utilities because of those two reasons. And then the pandemic happened, and then we had some additional savings. So... All in all, we ended up with a surplus of just a little bit over $5 million. And when you add that to the, to the operating balance of $18 million plus the contingency reserve, we're at $23.8 million or 9.8% uh, above our minimum requirement of 8.3%. That concludes the financial reports that I wanted to present to you tonight. So I'll stand for any questions. Does anyone have any questions for Mr. Knapp this evening? I feel like we've been talking about budgets quite a bit. I feel like we've <laughs> yes. gotten our questions out. Thank you. I, I don't have any questions either. Um, and seeing none, Mr. Knapp, thank you for your presentation this evening. It's appreciated. That moves us on to um, item 3.1, which is the 2020-2021 calendar. Um, we have to alternate that calendar due to the delay. So Dr. Fulton, uh, turn this over to you and your team for that presentation on that. Okay, thank you very much. I wanna invite uh, Dr. Michelle Hubbard, Associate Superintendent of Leadership and Learning and Dr. Darren Dennis, Director of Curriculum Instruction Assessment forward. Uh, they're gonna do an overview of the proposed changes to the 2021 calendar. 
And as you may recall, this was something that uh, Governor Kelly had, had called for in terms of starting school later on September 9th. And, and although that was not upheld by the state board, we believe it is in the best interest of our, of our students and our community, and importantly in preparation for this upcoming year for our staff to have uh, the time to really make sure that we're prepared for what's gonna be a, a very different kind of school year. So, uh, Dr. Dennis, it's all yours. Thank you. Um, as Dr. Fulton said, I'm here to share with you the details of the proposed calendar that allows us to start after Labor Day. Um, really, this will allow us time to be able to um, hopefully allow the time to, for the pandemic to slow and, and give us the best chance to returning in some form to school. And will give us and continue to give us time for professional learning to help teachers be able to implement the learning plans that, um, that we are moving forward with, uh, as well as the new tools that they'll have, including things like Canvas. So all of that necessitates a new calendar. This is the third time I've come to you with a calendar for this school year, so hopefully it's the last one. <laughs> Um, any calendar that we write has parameters and ground rules that are set. And I just, um, as a reminder, there are at least three entities that have, th that help set those parameters. One of them is state statute, so the legislature passes a law. For example, we are required, as Dr. Fulton mentioned earlier, to have 1116 hours for students. That's from state statute. The State Board of Education and its policies also helps to govern uh, how we, uh, develop our calendar, as does our contract in the professional negotiated agreement. So the calendar that we present to you tonight meets all of the requirements of those entities and any others that, we've, that are applicable. And it has been reviewed both internally and um, some representatives from NEA Shawnee Mission have also taken a look at it as well. So what I'd like to do with you uh, this evening is just walk through some of the changes. Uh, I'm going to begin though with one that is not in here and just um, so, so that it's addressed. One of the ideas that we looked at was to add minutes to the daily schedule. In the end, we decided not to do that um, because we felt like it was um, taking opportunity to learn away from students. It would reduce the number of days and reduce the uh, number of days that students would have with instruction with teachers. Uh, so uh, in addition to that, the school day is long, it's, it is uh, hard to maintain focus both for students, especially younger students, but also for staff. And so uh, adding 10, day, 10 minutes to that day would, would have been an additional challenge and burden. So looking at the calendar now, the first thing you'll notice in August is the new teacher academy, third, fourth, and fifth. That date has not changed. Uh, so we will have teachers report, uh, the new teachers that is report, for duty um, near the beginning of August. One of the, the pieces of feedback we get every year, and we survey new teachers every year, uh, they tell us that we have great information that we share with them, but that they don't have time to really process and make it their own. And so our hope is by having teachers come in, we, we put a lot of information out to them. It's a lot for them to take in and to process, but our, our goal is that they can learn it, they can process it, and then be able to apply it when they come back and, and work with students later. Teachers then return August 25th, 
And you can see, as we discussed the last time that I presented the calendar to you, we've additional uh, professional learning time that's been added there. That was maintained in this calendar. Um, first day of school then becomes Tuesday, September 8th. That is uh, the day after Labor Day, obviously. And like we've done in the past, uh, the first day of school is uh, for kindergarten and pre-K, a parent conference day. It is then the first day for elementary, other elementary students as well as seventh and ninth graders. This year, we're also adding seniors to that list because, among other things, uh, we need to get the, we, the number of senior hours is, is tight, and so we need the extra time with them. We've talked to all of the high schools, and they have all assured us that there are plans in place and that that will be productive time for seniors. Um, the other change in the fall semester, and this is really a year-long change, in the past three or four years, we've had late starts at the high school level. In order to um, give seniors enough hours, we are eliminating the late start, so it would be a traditional school day for everybody uh, rather than a late start once a week at the high school level. You will notice um, end of the first quarter moves to early November. November 5th, uh, the 6th is a work day, and that is part of the contract that there's a work day at the end of the first quarter. Um, Parent-teacher conferences also move with that to November uh, 11, 12, and 13, right, right there. The week of Thanksgiving remains unchanged, so the, um, they would have students and staff potentially would have all of that week off. And everything else remains the same up through the end of that calendar year, through the end of 2020. Uh, what is not the same, though, is when we begin winter break, is that winter break does not coincide this year with the end of the first semester. Because second quarter starts the second week of November, um, we still have more learning time that we need to get in. And so the semester doesn't end until the 22nd of January. The other change I want to mention in relation to winter break, uh, students will come back one day earlier than they did on the previous calendar. Teachers still return on Monday the 4th, but instead of a work day when they return, that work day moves to the end of the semester. That's, that's part of the negotiated agreement. And so the, the day that's there for January 4th is a professional learning day. We had that it was on the 5th, it just moves to the 4th and students come back a day earlier. Uh, moving on, no changes around Martin Luther King Day. Um, I mentioned the work day after first semester, that is January 25th. Conferences, parent-teacher conferences for the spring were originally scheduled for the first week in February. And if I scroll this down, you can see that if we hadn't changed that, that would have happened in the second week of the semester which is a little bit early. We move that to middle of third quarter, which is where it traditionally fits, but this year it falls on March 3rd and 4th. Third quarter runs through April 1st, and the workday, again, this is part of the contract, the workday then is uh, April 2nd, that Friday. The, probably the biggest, most noticeable change then is related to that, and that is spring break. We move spring break from the middle of March, it was, would have been the week of the 15th through the 19th, to the first full week in April. 
so it abuts that workday. Uh, and it just as it had done before. We debated and talked quite a bit about, is that the right thing to do? Do we want to move the spring break? It's been published. It's, um, that's what parents are expecting. In the end, we decided that it was a natural fit for the end of that third quarter, that it was better to have the break there. If you look at the, the rest of the semester, there's not much in terms of break between when spring break would have ended and when school is, is dismissed for the year. And so that, that helps to break it up a little bit as well. Um, graduation um, would move to the first three days of June, June 1st, 2nd, 3rd. And the last day with students moves to June 10th. Now, I will note that with Weather permitting, if we don't use the snow days, we can back that up four days, and we could be out as early as June 4th. So a combination of starting seniors a little bit earlier and eliminating the, um, the late starts at the high school level has allowed us to squeeze that last day of school a little bit earlier than we otherwise would have done it. Uh, those are the major changes that, yes? One other one that's not necessarily reflected in the calendar, but I think is important to note, spring break for teachers is technically only Tuesday through Friday. That Monday is a flex conference day. So they would have it off if they flex their hours, but if they didn't, it would be a teacher work day. So that is that actually is in conflict with the agreement but something that we wrote a uh, memo of understanding in just for this particular year in, uh, through the negotiations process. And so I just wanted to note that it's technically only a four-day spring break for teachers. So with that, I'd be glad to answer any questions you have. Um, I'm actually going to start the questions because if we move, if we use the snow days up and we move that up by four days, aren't we moving the seniors up also to being done prior to the holiday weekend? I'm trying to look at the date. So wouldn't the seniors be done on the 28th? That's correct. Okay, because that's not reflected on the calendar because we and don't it know never, for sure. we, we never have because there's, there's some question, you know, even up to the end, are we going to use the days or are we not? But the goal here is to be done with, with seniors by the end of, before Memorial Day. And I know I've already gotten questions from folks about why leaving the snow days in the calendar to begin with. And um, it's my understanding in part, if we have inclement weather that causes power outages or utility loss, we may still have to use it as a snow day as opposed to just an online learning opportunity. Um, we don't know potentially exactly what's gonna happen. And then if we've banked the four days, then that means we get forgiveness for double that amount up to the eight. So it's just a planning tool it's, I'm just saying this out loud to make sure I understand it correctly. It's also part of the contract. Uh, we, in the negotiated agreement, we specify that there will be four snow days. Uh, if we have things like a Chiefs victory parade, that would not count. But if there's inclement weather, which is how it's worded in the statute, uh, then we can use it. And you're right, if we use all four, then we get grace for an additional four. I appreciate the optimism with regards to the Chiefs victory parade. <laughs> And with that, I will turn to my fellow colleagues and see if anybody else has questions at this juncture. Go ahead, Ms. Borgman. Um, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, so just to clarify, 
on the snow days. So if there is a blizzard, so on and so forth, would kids actually have to take a snow day or with this virtual learning, could learning actually be done at home? We are hopeful that we'll be able to do it from home and not count that as a snow day. That would be a day of learning. Okay, great. Thank you. I do think we we have not been able to confirm that yet through the Kansas State Department of Education. So that's something that we're still working on. Okay. I also want to add that the minutes for seniors in this calendar is exceptionally tight. There is very, very little room. So if there were a water main break and we had to close the school for a day, our seniors are, we, we will have to adjust accordingly. Okay. It's very tight, for, especially for seniors. Yes. And then you had mentioned also that um, this calendar was, there was some collaboration with the NEA. Could you talk a little bit more about that? That was, you shared it with the, the team, right? So we always, um, when we build a calendar annually, we will always share it with the NEA president and just ask for feedback. Did we, you know, did we meet the obligations of the agreement? We have them count minutes, we have them count days, just so that we're, just kind of as a double check. And so we did that, and then uh, they provided some feedback actually that said, Can you, would you consider this, would you consider this, would you consider this? So we took that feedback, um, not all of it, but what we could, and we incorporated it accordingly. And then um, at the last negotiation session, we shared both calendars and had conversations about both of those calendars. And um, they, um, they were, it, it was a great discussion. It was a great collaboration between the, the group. And um, we landed with both calendars, making a recommend back, recommendation back to the superintendent. And then we had several other people look at it and here's where we landed. Okay, so it really was a collaborative effort between the district and the NEA in terms of how we got to the final calendar. Correct. Okay, thank you. Reverend Guy. So uh, we're not doing late start this year and is that just primarily for the seniors hours? We are, yes. So if even we though- we did late... that, we would extend past Memorial Day. Okay, so even though late start kind of benefited all high school students, they're all in the same boat just right. because of the senior hours. There's no, yeah, since classes have mixed juniors and seniors and exactly. sophomores. Okay, just clarifying that. Mr. Stratton? As I, look, as I look at the calendar, I was trying to figure out when and if we're ever in a period of the hybrid model, how that would be affected by the calendar, meaning those students that are a through L and M through Z, is there any ripple effect that might affect them depending on when a, a holiday hits or a, a conference day hits? We talked about this in regards to how many Mondays we have off. Mm -hmm. um, I would have to literally sit and count it. There could be some of that, but I think the key here is that instruction doesn't stop. Whether I'm at home or in school, the instruction doesn't stop. Mm -hmm. and so. One one group may get more actual seat time in a building than the other, but the instruction shouldn't be different. Mm -hmm. right. Thank you. Dr. Sinclair? Um, I'm going to build on the question about late start. Is there another role, my understanding, um, another role in the late start? Does that provide opportunity for staff to also do some professional development in a time? So is that 
then it does as well as some collaboration mm -hmm. so does that then is that just reflected in a different I just was trying to understand the rationale for late start it was more than just allowing kids to sleep in once a week but there's also opportunities for teachers to get together to so it's absolutely about professional learning communities and you know I mean the high school are the ones fortunate enough to have that right now mm -hmm. where pre-k 8 does not and so it's going to take high school back to the level with pre-k 8 but it's another reason why we felt really strongly about leaving the professional learning days in throughout the year mm -hmm. so that teachers would have the opportunity to collaborate and adjust accordingly their instruction based on those days rather than removing them. Thank you. Appreciate all the work you did on making these adjustments. Uh, Ms. Hembry, I cannot see you and your microphone is in between myself and Dr. Sinclair. Do you have any questions at this time? I just have a clarifying question around whether this need to make up this time is because the State Board of Ed did not move the start date. If that start date had been moved officially by the governor's executive order, would some of these hours also been forgiven? Or are there any, I guess, kind of, are there any other contingencies that could happen at the state level that we should be aware of? My understanding is that the state had not, was not planning to make any adjustment to the number of hours required, regardless of when the, the governor's, whether that had been accepted or not. In the guidance that came out from KSDE, it specifically says it, we've got 1116 hours. Were you able to hear that? I was, thank you. Great. Um, well, I have a follow-up. Is it possible, just based off of that, I'm sorry, Ms. Goodburn, but is it possible that the state legislature could waive hours or minutes requirements based off of extenuating circumstances or changing scenarios on the ground? Or do you think that that's something that they're going to hold fast on? I suppose that's a Stuart Little question, not... It's possible. No. I, I would leave it to someone but, more experienced. Yeah, it definitely sits within the, the legislature's domain, I believe. And so that's, that's part of the challenge. And that's why right now uh, the State Department of Education is just working off the assumption that the 1,116 hours is required of all school districts. They were very clear about that when they were going through their uh, statewide planning document this summer that they did not have permission to waive that, um, at least substantively for, for school districts. So I think there's something, that's, that, is, that is a topic that a lot of people have interest in. It certainly would help if we had flexibility on those hours, but we have to work from the assumption right now that we don't. But there is, the state legislature does have the authority to alter that should it become necessary to they, do so. They yes. do. Okay. They said it in statute to begin with, so they could change it. I have a legislator I might talk about that with. Um, Ms. Goodburn, I'll turn it over to you. Quick question, just clarifying. Um, new teachers report for the academy on the 3rd, 4th, and 5th, but then they don't come back until the 25th, correct? Correct. With everyone else. Okay, That's correct. Just clarifying. And report, it will be virtual. Okay. Are there any further questions at this time? I'm not seeing any. Um, thank you so much, both of you, for your presentation this evening. If I, if I could add, I just want to thank uh, all of the staff, uh, including the, the NEA uh, negotiating team that helped contribute to this document. Creating a calendar is one of the most difficult things that you can do in a district, and everybody has an opinion about the way the calendar should be set. And that's understandable, because it impacts our lives. So uh, while this 
this is a big change as we get ready to start a new school year. I do want to thank everyone for their work, and uh, this calendar has a nice flow to it that I think will help students with their learning this year. The next item on the agenda is our consent items. So I will seek a motion for approval of the consent items 4.1. Move, move approval. Approve. Oh, sorry. I'll, Dr. Sinclair, with the motion, thank you. Is there a second? I'll second that. Thank you, Mr. Stratton. All those in favor of the consent item agenda, please say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Hearing none, that passes unanimously. We've got a lot of action items tonight. Um, moving to 5.1, the approval of the contract with the Lake Mary Center. I'll seek motions and seconds and then let Dr. Fulton speak to the items as we go through them. Um, so do I have a motion for item 5.1? Move approval. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. Do I have a second? Goodburn. Second. Thank you, Ms. Goodburn. Dr. Fulton, do you have any comments on this item? Uh, I think the item is pretty self-explanatory. This, this is a contract for the Lake Mary Center that provides specific services to students who have those needs. Thank you. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Hearing none, the item passes. Item 5.2, the approval of the revised board policy AC non-discrimination. I'll seek the motion in the second and then let Ms. Goodburn and Dr. Fulton speak to this item. Do we have a motion for approval? I'll move approval, Goodburn. Thank you, Ms. Goodburn. Is there a second? Second, Guy. Thank you, Reverend Guy. And I'll turn it over to you, Ms. Goodburn, to give us a rundown here. Sure, as you all remember, we had an extensive walkthrough of these policies at our June 22nd meeting. Uh, over 25 minutes of overview from um, Ms. Rachel England. Um, and um, the policies, again, have been vetted by um, the executive leadership team, Dr. John McKinney, Dr. Bates, other administrators, and the policy review committee. Um, you will notice, though, there are a, a couple of updates that she's done, um, and I want to tell you about those really quickly. So there's some minor revisions. If you look at policy AC that are noted in green, um, I'm pulling it up. And they're all around um, the statement of compliance with non-discrimination and equal access laws. So she did some minor revisions that are in green, added further explanations to the protections provided under the various civil rights laws that are listed there, basically just summarized and just for clarification and or explanation. So nothing substantive other than just providing more information and explanation underneath of those. Um, those were really the only changes to what we saw on June 22nd that have been added. Um, again, we needed to update this because of Title IX regulations, updates that were man mandated on May 6th. Um, KASB came out with some changes, but we uh, decided to um, customize our own policy for SMSD to uh, put it all under one policy and one um, single comprehensive policy AC. That's why you see tonight uh, five policy revisions and six deleted policies because we have consolidated all of it under AC. Um, instead of having policies under the student section, the employee section, and section K in our policies. So um, again, um, if you have any other questions or anything, but I would, I've already moved approval for them, so. Are there, are there any questions at this time? Or are we good? Any comments? Not seeing anyone. Um, Ms. Hembry, do you have anything additional to add? You're also on the committee, and I, I can't see you to see if you've got a hand up or not. No, Sarah did a great job covering it. Thank you. All right. All those in favor of item 5.02, please say aye. 
Aye. Aye. Are there any opposed? Hearing none, the item passes unanimously. Um, and then we go through the deletions that Ms. Goodburn just referenced, starting with item 5.03, approval of deletion of board policy GAAA. Do I have a motion for approval? Move to approve. Thank you, Mr. Stratton. Is there a second? Second. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. Um, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any, aye. any opposed? Hearing none, the item passes 7-0. Moving to 5.4, approval of deletion of board policy GAAB. Again, this is being replaced with the one we just approved. Do we have a motion for the deletion? A move approval. Uh, thank you, Dr. Sinclair. Is there a second? Goodburn, second. Thank you, Ms. Goodburn. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Hearing none, the item passes unanimously. Now we're moving to item 5.5. Approval of deletion of board policy GAAC. I'll seek a motion. Goodburn. Thank you, Ms. Goodburn. Is there a second? I'll second. Thank you, Mr. Stratton. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Okay, hearing none, that one passes unanimously. This is item 5.6, approval of deletion of board policy GAACA. Again, it's not actually disappeared, it's just worked into the previous one. Um, do we have a motion for this? Move approval. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. Is there a second? Second, Guy. Thank you, Reverend Guy. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Not hearing any on that one either, so that's unanimous. Item 5.7, approval of deletion of board policy JGEC. Is there a motion to approve? I move approval. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. Is there a second? Goodburn, second. Thank you, Ms. Goodburn. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? And no opposition on that item either. Item 5.8. Approval of the deletion of board policy JGECA. Is there a motion for approval of this item? Move to approve. Thank you, Mr. Stratton. Is there a second? Borgman, second. Thank you, Ms. Borgman. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Hearing none, that item passes unanimously. Okay, we can take a breath. Now we get to approve a revised board policy. This is item 5.9. This is the complaint section. I'll seek the motion in a second and then have Ms. Goodburn just give us a quick recap of what this item is. Do we have the motion? Move approval. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. Is there a second? Second, Guy. Thank you, Reverend Guy. Uh, and can you just refresh us on this one, Ms. Goodburn? Um, sure. Uh, basically, this is the, it's just um, updating it, basically taking out some language that we don't need anymore and updating it with language that we do need and changing some titles of people that are actually the designee. Excellent. Thank you very much. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Hearing no opposition. That item passes unanimously. Um, 5.10. Approval of revised board policy JBCB in district transfers this is also second reading. Do we have a motion for approval? Move approval. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. Is there a second? Goodburn, second. Thank you, Ms. Goodburn. Um, just to refresh again for people watching at home, what is the point items on this one? Uh, just taking out language that's no longer needed. Thank you. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any? Aye. Are there any opposed? 
Okay, now that passes unanimously, and then item f five. I'm going to have to take a break to breathe there through this math. Okay, item 5.11, approval of revised board policy JCE. This is the complaints policy, and this is also a second reading. Do we have a motion? Good. Oh, go ahead. Goodburn. Thank First. you, Ms. Goodburn. Is there a second? Move approval. Um, thank you, Dr. Sinclair. Uh, can we go ahead and get just a brief recap on this one as well? Again, uh, it's all moved to AC. Um, instead of uh, having this under JCE. So there's just one thing that remains in this and it's about a complaint procedure about school rules instead of uh, anyway, discrimination. Great. discrimination. Thank you. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Passes unanimously. Um, and now we are on 5.12, approval of revised board policy KN. And do I have a motion for approval? I'll move, move to, to approve. approve. Oh, that was two of you at the exact same time. <laughs> I'll let Mr. Stratton have it. Okay, uh, Mr. Stratton, thank you for the motion. And uh, Jamie, do you want to have the second on that one? I do. Yes, second, Boardman. Thank you so much. Um, do we need a brief? It's the same. Um, it basically, uh, it just leaves it in there uh, for the ways that parent guardians or members of the public could resolve issues or complain. Thank you. Lodge complaints, I should say. Thank you. Uh, all those in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? And none that passes unanimously. Oh, good. We're done. <laughs> With the <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Yeah, that was a marathon. Sure thank you, works. everyone. Um, thank you to the policy committee. I know that was a lot of work. Thank you to Rachel England. That was that was a big lift. Um, moving on to 5.13, approval to purchase the electric utilities for the 2020-2021 school year. I'll seek a motion in a second and let Dr. Fulton just say a couple words to this one. Do I have a motion to approve? Move approval. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. Is there a second? Second, Guy. Thank you, Reverend Guy. Um, Dr. Fulton, do you just have one or two words to say on this one? Sure, I'll have Dr. Atha just give a quick overview of 5.13 and the concept will apply to 5.14 and 5.15 as well. Dr. Atha. Thank you, Dr. Fulton. Uh, these three items have uh, come to you each year about this time. Uh, with your approval of these three items, they refer to uh, giving authority to the business office to pay our monthly utilities, gas, water, electricity. So this is a normal set of items that come to you every year at this time. Okay. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? So glad we all want to pay the electric bill. Passes unanimously. <laughs> Moving on to 5.14, approval to purchase water utilities for the 2020-2021 school year. Move approval. Thank you, Ms. Goodburn. Is there a second? I'll second. Thank you, Mr. Stratton. The, what was just said by Dr. Atha still applies. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Any opposed? Hearing none, passes unanimously. Now we get to purchase the gas. Item 5.15, approval to purchase natural gas utilities. I'll seek a motion to approve. Move approval. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. Do we have a second? Good burn, second. Thank you, Mr. Goodburn. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Hearing none, that also passes unanimously. Item 5.16, authorization to publish notice of a hearing. I'll get the uh, motion in a second and let Dr. Fulton speak to this. So moved. 
Thank you, Mr. Stratton. Is there a second? Boardman, second. Thank you, Ms. Boardman. Uh, it's your turn, Dr. Fulton. Okay, annually we are required to publish a notice of hearing for the 2020-2021 budget. We have to do that every budget year, and this simply gives us permission to do so. And this is a state requirement. All right, thank you. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Passes unanimously. Item 5.17, the approval with Summit Achievement Center. And seek the motion. So move, Goodburn. Thank you, Ms. Goodburn. Is there a second? Second. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. Dr. Fulton, do you have a couple words on this one? Again, this one's uh, pretty self-explanatory. We, we contract out with Summit Achievement Center to provide educational programs and services and transportation for four of our students for, this de for the defined period of time and for the amount that's listed in the recommendation. Thank you. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Hearing none, the item passes unanimously. Now we get to move to item 5.18. Approval of the agreement between the Board of Education of the Shawnee Mission School District and NEA Shawnee Mission. Uh, we'll get the motion in a second, and then Dr. Fulton, if you want to speak to that for a moment, that'd be great. Do we have a motion to approve? Goodburn. Thank you, Ms. Goodburn. Is there a second? Boardman. Thank you, Ms. Boardman. Uh, Dr. Fulton, do you have a couple words on this one? Yeah, I sure do. First of all, I want to congratulate the uh, teams that were involved in interspace bargaining from both uh, the board administrative team and also from NDA Shawnee Mission. The, the, the group did a fantastic job of finding common ground that is reflected in this agreement. Tonight, what we're asking you to do is to approve uh, what they've agreed to. Now, this is step one. Uh, this also needs ratification by uh, NEA Shawnee Mission before it becomes uh, final. Uh, Rachel England, who is our lead negotiator, is here and she'll be happy to answer any specific questions that you may have. Okay, thank you. Does anyone have any specific questions at this time for Rachel? Ms. Embry, do you have any questions? I just want to make sure I'm not missing anything. Well, I guess not. Thank you for being here this evening. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? Hearing none, the item passes unanimously. Thank you to the teams who negotiated that. Item 5.19, approval of the board resolution for the reopening plan. I am going to read this and then I'll seek the motion in the second. Um, it's a little lengthy. Get, it, get through it with this mask. The resolution of an affirming reopening plan. Whereas the United States is in the midst of a global health pandemic related to the spread of COVID-19, which has resulted in widespread illnesses and deaths, quarantines and closures of schools and businesses across the country, including in Kansas, and whereas the state of Kansas closed all schools in March 2020 to promote safety and lower the curve of COVID-19 cases, and whereas the Shawnee Mission Board of Education prioritizes creating safe learning and work environments for all children and staff, and whereas the Shawnee Mission community through its strategic plan is focused on every student developing and implementing a personalized learning plan that prepares them to be college and career ready with the interpersonal skills they need for life success, and whereas equity and access to learning as found in our mission statement and beliefs requires creating new ways of thinking and instructional design to ensure every child is mastering priority standards 
that lead to college and career readiness. And whereas children's access to food, trusted adults, and social interaction to peers is important to their health and social emotional well-being, and whereas lack of broadband access for every child results in inequitable access for remote learning, necessitating staff time and financial resources to, to develop solutions to ensure equitable access for all students, and whereas after a steady trend of decreasing metrics, recent weeks have seen the numbers of COVID-19 cases, hospitalizations, and deaths spike across the nation, including a significant increase in cases in Kansas, the Johnson County area, and specifically within the boundaries of the Shawnee Mission School District. And whereas medical professionals, including the Centers for Disease Control, recommend school reopening plans include adherence to behaviors that prevent the spread of COVID-19, including cloth face coverings, physical distancing, washing hands, and regular cleaning and disinfecting. And whereas Governor Laura Kelly issued an executive order mandating that K through 12 public and private schools shall require all students, faculty, staff, vendors, and other visitors to public or private K through 12 school attendance centers to cover their mouth and nose with a mask or other face covering. And whereas Governor Kelly issued an executive order delaying the start of school until after Labor Day, an executive order rejected by the Kansas State Board of Education on a 5-5 vote, and whereas a thought exchange conducted with parents indicated a strong desire to protect student, staff, and community health, and whereas a thought exchange and survey conducted with staff indicated concern with the ability of schools to open without risking significant spread of COVID-19, and whereas delaying schools until September 8, 2020 will provide the community with an opportunity to adhere to recommended practices including wearing masks, social distancing, et cetera, that could provide an opportunity for the SMS to meet community to flatten the COVID-19 curve. And whereas the SMSD school district recognizes additional time is needed to continue to work with other Johnson County school districts and Johnson County health officials to formalize a science-based approach that will detail the ability to provide in-person learning throughout the academic year, including the publication of gating criteria. And whereas it is unknown how long the pandemic will last or whether in-person learning will be possible throughout the pandemic. And whereas the reopening school plan presented to the Board of Education on July 22, 2020 is a living document to be revised as needed throughout the academic year to meet changing conditions and safety needs related to COVID-19. And whereas district administrators and leaders, teachers, counselors, social workers, other staff, students, and parents have contributed a significant amount of time and tireless work over the past several months to develop a reopening plan for our schools. And whereas public schools are the heart of a community and essential to the social, emotional health and intellectual development of its children, now therefore be it resolved that the Shawnee Mission Board of Education affirms the school reopening plan designed to ensure that the district has a safe plan to deliver instruction with the staff, resources, technology, space, policies and protocols required for the health, safety, and well-being of all students and staff to be informed by actionable criteria articulated by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the Kansas Department of Health and Environment, and the Johnson County Department of Health and Environment. Okay, 
I will seek the motion in the second, and then we can have a bit of conversation prior to voting on it. Move approval. Thank you, Dr. Thanks Sinclair. Is there a second? Second, Guy. Thank you, Reverend Guy. Does anyone have any comments they would like to make at this time or have any questions about the resolution itself prior to the vote? All right, seeing none, I will call for the vote. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 I saw all of you do it and heard Jessica, so that was unanimous. I'm not going to ask for any if anybody's in opposition on that one. All right. Now we move on to the calendar. Um, 5.20, approval of the 2020-2021 school calendar. We already had an opportunity to ask questions on this one, so I'll just get the motion in the second if we can, please. Move approval, Goodburn. Thank you, Ms. Goodburn. Borgman, second. Thank you, Ms. Borgman. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Are there any opposed? I wasn't looking, so I didn't see for sure. I'm not hearing any. That passes unanimously. Thank you so much, everyone. I feel like that was a lot. Um, we are to comments, and we can go around in the circle, and that allows us to start with Ms. Borgman, because I know she had some questions for Dr. Fulton from earlier in the meeting. Yeah, I do. I have three questions. Do you want to just go around, so, or do you want me to ask them all at once, or? I have to catch my breath. You just go. Okay. <laughs> get it done. That's legit. Okay. Um, so my first question, Dr. Fulton, if a child's parent or guardian misses the email that you know, they have to choose which learning model. What happens? How do we get a hold of that kiddo? And yeah, we'll we'll be following up. You know, principals will begin to come into the buildings before too long, and we have a strategy for following up. And I see Dr. Hubbard walking up, so I think she probably okay. <laughs> you got the seal of approval. Good job. <laughs> see, all these meetings are paying off. We're we're all on the same page. So that's good. <laughs> okay, so. Just the bottom line, if we can't reach a kiddo, a principal will be following up yes. to make sure that there's no default, correct? No, because um, it, we recognize that, that some parents may miss, uh, may miss the email, and we have to know what every child is going to be doing in order to get our planning processes completed. You know, the idea of, of uh, doing, a, doing remote learning for some while others are in class is really quite quite a design challenge uh, for for staffing alone. And so as quickly as possible, we need to know what uh, what parents and students would like to do, and then we will start to design up coursework and that kind of thing to make sure that we have everything covered appropriately. I would just add to that when we do those follow-up phone calls, um, we're going to be asking the question about internet access because if, if we don't have an answer, it might be because I don't have internet access. And so we're going to be trying to collect that data as well as we do those follow-up phone calls. And do we have any solutions yet with kiddos that lack internet access? Are we still working on that? We're still working on that. Okay, thank you. We, I, we, do, we do have solutions that are emerging, including, including hotspots for some students, but we're, we're finalizing uh, exactly how we're going to navigate through that uh, on a student-by-student -student basis and still understand the scope of it. We've already identified a number of students who we know don't have internet access and need it. Thank you. Okay. My next question is, um, you know, the board, board members have been getting a lot of questions from concerned parents about 
not knowing which option to pick because they don't feel like they have all the information, right? And I know that gating criteria is so critical for people in trying to determine what do I do? Um, what's the, the best option for kids, for my kids? Um, so when people have those questions, again, we, we kind of talked about this the other night, but they're always welcome to reach out to board members, but maybe they should also reach out to a principal at their school. Is that what you're advising I, parents? I absolutely would. Going back to Wednesday night, reach out to your principal. Uh, also, they can, they can uh, send something to ask the district, and they can always send something to my office, and then I'll route it to the appropriate person to respond to them. You know, it, I understand parents' angst over this. But I think uh, the, the video that we're going to send out with the request for them to complete the form is going to help. And, and also, you know, be thinking about if, if you would like for your child to be remote the entire semester, then that is certainly a decision that you're making for a variety of reasons, right? And you may make that decide, decision for one child in your family, but not another child. If you decide to go in class... Just know that we will work with the county's gating criteria once that's published, provided to us, to make sure that we're providing a safe learning environment. We'll work from the metrics, and if we can have class, class, if we can have students uh, in school, then we'll do that. But we'll do it according to the safety criteria that we've uh, set forth in the planning documents. So I want to give some assurance to parents. We're going to be, we're going to be careful. We're going to be safe. Uh, they need to really select what they think is best for their child and, of course, what they believe is best for, uh, for their family. I know everyone has work situations that are different and sometimes very concerning. What am I going to do if my child's at home? I, I need to go to work. I can't go to work. We're getting emails like that. We completely understand. Um, but first steps are let's help each family kind of think about what's best for each of their children and then we'll continue to work with folks and do the best we can to support them in that choice. One other thing that comes up is, you know, why do we have to do it for an entire semester? You know, why can't we have more adjustments during the year or during that semester? And the problem is we have to design customized approaches for all of the remote learners. And then we also have to design uh, really kind of customized approaches for those students who are in class. And we have a limited number of staff. So it's once we know what people's preferences are, then we have to design the staffing that supports both groups. And, and that's where the, like I said, this is a design challenge. That's where the design work really becomes important. So um, once we get that set up, it's not so easy just moving students, especially large number of students, from one mode to the other. You know, going from all remote to being, well, maybe now I want to be in class. So I know it's a difficult choice. But I think with parents, just rest assured that we're going we're gonna to err on the side of safety. But it is important that they really think about what is best for each of their children and make that decision. Thank you. Does that help? Yeah, it does. I mean, there are three of us currently on the board with kids in the district, so I mean, it's it weighs heavily on all of our minds for a number of reasons. So, um, my third question is regarding the thought exchange, 
And so some of the feedback that we've gotten regarding thought exchange is just, is there any ability that we could tailor thought exchange, like at the end of thought exchange, that if parents want to provide some additional feedback, like there might be like a comment or some type of option for parents to really dive down a little deeper into maybe something that they're passionate about. Yeah, the, uh, Mr. Smith can jump in and correct me if I'm wrong here, but Thought Exchange does have some limitations on its design, but a lot of that goes back to when you pose a question to a large group, you have to be very clear about, about the way that question is designed, right? What, what information do you want people to engage with? Thought Exchange is uh, set up to do that extraordinarily well and importantly for people to see each other's interactions. You know, one of the things that came out in our thought exchange is folks would write down a thought and then somebody would respond to it and then some people would think, well, that I don't agree with that thought or is that really what the district believes? And so we have to work with folks to say, this isn't what the district is saying. This is what you as a participant is saying and, that's, and how other participants are responding to you. And so... Um, there, there are limitations on, on uh, what Thought Exchange can do in terms of the design, and that goes back to the nature in which we pose the questions. But there's always the opportunity if somebody has a specific question to uh, email, ask the district, and then we can always route that to the appropriate person to see if we can get a response back to the parent. And I don't know, David or Michelle, if you want to add to that response. I think the only thing that I would add is a survey is surveying you as an individual and then we collectively put that data together where the intent of thought exchange is to more be conversational and to be able to say, oh, that's what Jamie thought, that's what Laura thought, that's what Brad thought. I like that, I like that, I like that, or I don't. I mean, to be able to, to rate it and, and be able to more of a conversational piece. It's, it's not intended to be my opinion is this, and then we're going to collectively put that data to see what it looks like. So they really do serve two different purposes, but both are great forms of collecting feedback. And I, I would just add to that, that when you do a survey, you start with a preconceived notion in your mind of what it is is important. Whereas a thought exchange allows the individuals to say, here's what's valuable to me, here's what I'm thinking and how I'm reacting. And then it allows individuals to react to each other. So rather than a situation where the loudest voice gets the most you know, notice or where the people who are the most articulate, this anybody can contribute, they get to react to each other. So you get a really good sense from a large group. And we have over 6,000 people participating in some of our exchanges you get a really good sense about how they interact with each other. And I, it's really hard for, for us to do that in other ways. And while it's helpful to get, you know, the long form email that, that tells specifically how we should order things, it's challenging when you get a lot of those to put all that information to, together and make it meaningful and act on it. So. I'm sorry, I can't help myself. Can I just jump in with an, uh, an observation too? I'm just thinking about, one of the things I really like about thought exchange is it provides that quality, kind of like you were saying, it's more of a qualitative research tool or evaluation tool where the more traditional survey is more of that quantitative. So you pre-design, you create the question and you provide um, 
predetermined responses. And in thought exchange, that more qualitative mode of collecting, you get responses that we maybe have never even thought of. So it, it really opens that, that box up to all the creative thinking of the district and creates that opportunity for other kinds of input and thought to be fed into the continuous improvement process of the district. So they're great complementary tools that serve slightly different purposes, but both think, really valuable. I think probably the most difficult thing in the survey process is when you have that open-ended box at the end that says, what, what other thoughts do you have? When we get into, because of our size, and because you're talking about thousands upon thousands of comments, you have to go through and manually theme all of those out. That's where it makes it really difficult to, to handle the load on those kind of individual comments, which kind of goes back to uh, that, that original response of probably the best thing people can do if they have a specific concern is, uh, you know, send, a, send it, an email to ask the district or perhaps reach out, reach out to their principal because my guess is that specific concern is going to be better handled uh, through that process versus trying to do it through a survey. Um, and we've seen in the emails from people, there are lots of individual personal concerns that go way beyond what a thought exchange or, or, or even a survey could really get at. Now they're getting to their own personal, unique life circumstance, and they're either, they're either sharing with us information that's important for us to hear, or they're asking for help and it's help we may or may not be able to provide because a lot of it goes back to childcare, you know. So that that would be my that would be my comment on it. Does yeah, thank you. No, that that helps, and I appreciate the thoughtfulness behind it. Um, and I, I just I guess I would encourage maybe when we send out an email, you know, requesting parents to fill out the thought exchange or, or participate in the thought exchange, that maybe we include the ask the district because I, I think the ask the district. Um, some people may not know about, and so it's helpful to pr provide that resource for parents that yeah. really care about XYZ and want to expand on it further. Um, a couple shout-outs, if I may. Um, I just wanted to thank the negotiation team for both the NEA and Shawnee Mission. Um, great work. It is a team. We're one team, and I'm very thankful um, that the, the IB process has gone so well this year. Um, the graduation videos were amazing. So to the communications department, and I believe we put those together, IT as well, thank you so much. You did an excellent job, and they were truly amazing. Um, and then I just wanted to give a huge shout-out to our community. Just seeing the kindness that the community has really put out there in support of really prioritizing the health and safety of students and staff has just been wonderful. And just to see us kind of band together as one Shawnee Mission has really been just a wonderful sight to see, especially during these really challenging times. So, Reverend Guy, do you have some comments for us this evening? I just wanted to uh, acknowledge that everybody is feeling anxious about this upcoming school year and um, let people know that we've, you know, we've been receiving emails and messages and conversations with people we know um, and, you know, we're hearing from people who very passionately advocate for one position and hearing from other people who very passionately advocate for the exact opposite. And we're even hearing from parents who are doctors um, who are telling us exactly opposite things to do. And so it's been, 
a very, very challenging time for us. And so I know for obviously the administrators who've been working on this since March and trying to get the very best information we can and make the very best decisions we can. But it's, it's hard and I know it's hard for parents making these tough decisions. I know it's hard for teachers even trying to decide if they wanna teach online or in person. And I just, want to acknowledge that everybody is going through a rough time and um, I feel for all of the people who have to make these these hard decisions but in the end I think our kids are going to benefit our students are still going to get a good education this year and um, we will get through this but it's it's going to be a bumpy ride I think for a while but we will get through it so thank you to everybody who has worked and asked questions and provided input and um, most of all, let's, let's help the kids get ready and excited for their school year, whatever it's gonna look like for them. We want them to be excited about it. That's all. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Stratton? I'll just add to some of the same comments, and that is uh, thank you to all of the work that's been going on behind the scenes, everything from the teams that did a great job on putting together a negotiation for the up year, up, upcoming year's contract, to the plan that we uh, just endorsed today through our proclamation. The, the part that I'll, I'll add to share with my fellow board members is I will always remark on how the fact that this is done at the local level, at the Shawnee Mission School District level. And there's a reason that we're ultimately putting this plan together for the students of Shawnee Mission is because we know this community perhaps better than at the state level or at the federal level. So we take great pride and also great responsibility in putting together this decision and putting together this plan to implement. Some of the folks have reached out and said, well, why didn't it look more like another surrounding districts, whether it's the Kansas City, Missouri School District or Olathe or Blue Valley? Each of the communities is different. And I think that's what's important about this implementation is that we're really taking the individual and collective family input of our community in making this decision. So that's why I'm proud of the work that this district's done and equally uh, proud of the proclamation that we adopted today. Thank you, Mr. Stratton. Uh, Dr. Sinclair? Um, I will add on to the three previous um, comments and just remind folks that we have a primary election uh, coming up August 4th to encourage you all to um, submit your ballots. Um, Ms. Embry, you are uh, next to Dr. Sinclair tonight, so I'll turn to you to see if you have any closing comments. Thank you, and I'm sorry being on the phone. It's a little hard for me to know how to engage here, but I actually did have just a couple of lingering questions about um, school reopening because I'm getting all the same emails many of you are. Um, and I think it's largely my question is just um, twofold. One is, will we wait to ask for commitments about planning for the next school year until after we have gating criteria and isolation and quarantine protocols from the health department? I know this is a big, bad waiting game where we need commitments in order to move on our plans, but I also know that people feel that they need a lot more information from the health department to make their choices. So I guess I'm kind of asking about not just what that timing is, but also once parents do have the option to start making their choices, how long will they have? Will they be, you know, having to turn something back in within 48 hours, or will we be providing enough time for them to hunt down answers to the questions that they might have because it is clear to me that there are many. There are many. There will be a set period of time uh, when parents will need to respond. On the gating criteria, you know, it's something that we've asked for, but we, we hope to get it soon, but we don't know exactly when that's going to come from the county. 
And the problem is, is that we need to start getting our learning design down. We know that if we're able to have class in person, uh, that we have to make, we have to get going on, on designing what that looks like. The same if we have uh, 10 or 15, 20 or more percent of our students who choose remote learning for first semester, then we need to get uh, teachers identified, placed, and then make sure we have adequate teachers for the in you know, on-site learning as well. Dr. Hubbard, I, I don't know whether you want to respond to that specific question of how much time parents will have to respond. Parents will have a week. So if we put it out on Wednesday, it will be due the following Tuesday by some time. If we put it out Thursday, it will be the following Wednesday. They'll have a week, and as soon as we get gating criteria from the county, we can make that available so that people know what that, what that looks like. The problem with the gating criteria is the gating criteria will be metrics, right? It will tell us when we can go into each modality, whether it's remote, hybrid, or, or everybody in class. What it will not tell us, though, is when that can occur. That will be determined by the longitudinal metrics. You know, I mentioned that 14-day window. Well, you know, look at where we were 14 days ago. Project out 14 days ahead on where we might be based on where the data currently set. And that's going to be the ongoing challenge of this pandemic, to be honest, is I don't... I think we're going to have peaks and valleys, ebbs and flows of the way that these data take shape over time. And that data will dictate what's possible and what isn't in terms of in-class learning. So, again, that, that uncertainty is difficult to work with, but I think we're just going to have to deal with the reality that we are going to, we're going to have uncertainty this year. Ms. Henry, do you have any other questions or uh, closing comments for us tonight? No, I just want to take a moment to thank the Johnson County Health Department. In my um, real life, I work in health policy, and I know how desperately underfunded our public health system is in the United States. And now we have arrived at this moment where we're leaning on our health department to do so many things. We as a school board don't have our own team of epidemiologists. We don't have our own people who have expertise in global pandemics. So we're leaning really hard on our health department right now. And I know um, many of them have students in Shawnee Mission Schools themselves, just as many of us on this board do. And I'm incredibly grateful for the very hard work I know that they're doing right now. Um, and then I also wanted to just take a brief moment to thank um, Rachel England and everyone who worked on Policy AC. I know as we cranked through that, it felt like a very pro forma, just consolidating multiple policies. But this is a really incredible improvement to the way that our district is handling discrimination and harassment complaints and stuff that up to me um i appreciate that it's clearer about definitions but maybe even more than that i appreciate that it provides a level of clarity around process and responsibility that i think is going to make us as a district so much better at handling complaints as they arise so just thank you to the entire team that made that happen um and that's it for me thanks Thank you so much. Miss um, Goodburn, do you have any closing comments for us tonight? Well, Miss Hemp, she uh, very eloquently said what I wanted to say. So shout out to Rachel England for her work on AC. And um, that's all I have. Thank you so much. Um, I want to echo the thank yous for the Johnson County Department of Health and Environment. Um, I know they've been putting in a lot of work. Um, 
I know last week it was anticipated that we would hopefully have gating criteria this week, and so I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that we get it sooner this week than later so that folks can have that to marinate on as they make their own family's decisions. Um, it's not easy from a parent's perspective to make these decisions. I know so there are some of us making these decisions right now, and you know there is nothing I would like more than to be able to provide my children with some of the choices that they would like to make. And, you know, um, I'm not able to do that, I think. Um, not because it's not that, that we don't have an abundance of options, but because for some of us, a decision, you could, you could give us hardly any decision at all and we would still be forced to make a particular type of choice. And so the fact that this has been fleshed out as much as it has, as frustrating as it is with regards to the uncertainty, looking at what some other districts have done across the country and even across the state, um, even if I was not a member of this board, I would feel very fortunate with the opportunities that our kids are going to have this year with regards to the enormous amount of hurdles and difficulties we're facing as a community. Um, that being said, that's not, it's not optimistic. It's not, you know, I want to make everything exciting, but um, at the end of the day, I really want us all to just come out the other end of this safe and healthy so that we can charge into the next best thing and, and, and look back on this when we're old and have our grandchildren make fun of us because we have some sort of weird tick that we've kept with regards to sanitizing everything when we're 70. Um, on that note, thank you so much, everyone, for being here this evening. Our next board meeting is... August 10th, 2020, um, and we are done for tonight. The meeting is adjourned.